Welcome to Rogue Bogues, another basketball episode. Thanks for joining us. We've got a lot to get through today. We have, uh, we're going to go through our Western Conference previews. I think the first game is tomorrow or the day after Australian time. I think it's tomorrow, right, Pro? Uh, no, I think, I think it opens up on Tuesday. Your Tuesday, yeah, so two days Australian time. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot going on. How'd you go with your West previews? Not bad, Bogues. Trying to you know recreate the wheel here and also have a fantasy league draft coming up in like a half an hour. So I will be wearing two hats about halfway through our uh, uh, broadcast. But I'll keep you updated about my draft. <laughs> oh, wow. Here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you're going to be multitasking. This is dangerous. This is very dangerous. Without question. I don't like pro... I don't like pro multitasking, but um, not a whole lot of news this week. We'll just get into a little bit uh, extensions. Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins have broke the bank in Golden State Pro. Uh, Jordan Poole, four years, $143 million. That obviously kicks in after his rookie deal expires. Wiggins, four years, $109 million. Um, after this season, which this season he's making a fair bit as well. I think it adds up to 143 if you include this season. Um, take a punch, pro, and you get paid, I guess. Folks, someone who's been unemployed for a few years, I'd take a punch for like 50 bucks. This guy took a punch for 140 million. And don't tell me <laughs> that like media shaming him to get this contract done now versus this summer, that that punch didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. I'll take it. You'll take it if you're those two guys. I mean, they were famously quoted as saying they're both about to get the bag when they won their championship. And that has now eventuated, but they're the Golden State Warriors payroll pro. It is insane. So their luxury tax payment, their tax bill, is more than a, than numerous NBA teams' salary. <laughs> I'll say that again. Their tax bill is more than some teams' whole salary. So they're they're going to most likely exceed five hundred million once the roster is filled. That factors into obviously Draymond Green opting into his $27.6 million player option. So with 12 players currently, their salary is $215 million. Their tax is $268 million, if you don't mind, Pro, and that adds up to 483. So if Draymond opts in, it's going to bump it way over $500 million. Absolutely insane. Um, they could basically start a whole other franchise with that tax bill, Pro. You know, Bogues, it, there's a price to winning and – you know, if you want to own a team in this league, I don't really feel bad for any owner that has to dip in their pocket for luxury tax money. Everybody knows to deal with this. You know, these teams are getting, you know, that, that are getting sold or getting purchased for $2 billion, $2.5 billion. You know, you know, teams are going to go over $3 billion, $4 billion, some, you know, some of the higher market teams. You're going to have to, you know, to keep this championship team intact and most championship teams intact. You're going to have to go in, you know, into your pockets. Now, most teams will never get into the pockets like that. But you know what? I mean, if this is what they want to do, look, the, you know, the Warriors lecture, lecture us about everything. You know, you got, a, you got a, you know, an owner you know, who wants to say they're you know, light years ahead of the, the curve. You got a coach you know, who wants to you know, lecture us on human rights and you know, politics and allows his captain to punch somebody in the face and not say anything about it. You got a Oof. you've got a captain who wants to lecture us about being a captain yet wants to punch his teammate in the face. So, you know, hey, you got to go in your pockets for a couple hundred million. That's probably not the norm on most teams obviously, but look, that's what it is. Like 
Uh, there's certain thresholds on this luxury tax deal where if you go a little bit over the tax, it's like a dollar for dollar. Then it goes like dollar fifty to dollar. I think they're at at their point. Four, right? They're like they're four, four to one. Yeah. So every dollar yeah. you spend over a certain threshold, <laughs> yeah. it's four dollars for every dollar. So it's expensive, man. Yeah. So you, if you yeah, essentially you sign a role player and you're like, oh, he's he's a bargain at three million. Well. No, it's hitting your cap at twelve to fifteen million. <laughs> so, um, insane. I, I, I don't think this number is going to be broken in a long time, bro. I just don't see it. Like you said, teams edge the cap, they go over the soft, the softer cap a little bit, but then once it starts getting to one point five, two, two point five, teams just don't go there. They just they don't want to go there. And Golden State, I mean, people say, have they set the example for what you need to do now? I don't think teams are going to go that far. Two hundred sixty-eight million in tax. That's kind of crazy. But you know you do have to spend, and they're they're kind of uh, you know it's tough for them because they brought in some great players that were on high contracts and made some great trades, and now they want to keep them. They got to pay them, and like you said, you, you know you, if you want to continue to have the same team and um, keep that team together, I mean they're not guaranteed a, a championship this season. I don't think. I think the West has gotten a little bit a little bit better at the top at least. Um, I think they're, they're they're in the running. They're favorites by a lot of bookies or they're tied favorites with a few other teams. Um, but this could be, you know, potentially the, the most expensive team that doesn't win a championship. And um, But if, if they win it, they, they look like geniuses, like you said. They're light years ahead of everyone. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that all unfolds. It does obviously put the right on the wall for Draymond possibly uh, pro because, I mean, he can opt, like I said, he can opt in at, at $27.6 million. He doesn't want, I don't think he's going to opt in for a season. I just don't see him doing that. Um, I think he he's going to want the respect. I mean, he's, he's a double-digit year guy for for the Warriors. I think, I don't know what year he's in. Um, he was drafted, I think, 13, 14. So this might be his 10th year or 12, 13. Yeah, this might be his 10th year. So he's going to want that respect. He's been part of numerous championship runs. He's going to be kind of a little bit kind of boisterous about that. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they can give him, you know, if they give him a long-term extension, that, that number of 483 and, Bill, they're paying all up with tax and salary is going to probably go to five fifty, right, uh, six hundred. So, you know, I, I don't see him doing it. Do you think the writing is on the wall for Draymond? I, I know you've been big on well, who takes him, who takes him to trade, who signs him, but um, it just doesn't see how this is. Are they really going to spend that much money to keep that team together with Draymond? It's going to be really difficult to do, Bogues. To be honest, um, to me, I think the the only option that he has is like you said, he won't just re-up the year. He'll probably want to do an extension or opt out and try somewhere else. I don't think he's $25 million, $30 million a year relevant for any team in the league anymore. I do think there are a few teams that might want to pay him, but I don't think he could impact the team and get just sort of play at that level that he would in Golden State and maybe a couple others, you know, maybe a Dallas or a Miami or – something like that. And, and even in those situations, it's not ideal for him. What I think he should do, in my opinion, and people will probably laugh it off, is if I'm him, especially what happened with the punch and trying to sort of reshape his name, not that he ever thinks of it that way, because he probably thinks you know that it's not his fault and it's someone else's fault if I had a guess. If I'm him, I'd probably just do a, a Richard Jefferson deal where remember Richard had that last year, I think with San Antonio, he had that player option, you know, for like 15. And then he like went down to like nine or 10 million a year in his extension. If I'm Draymond and maybe even Golden State, if you could afford it, I'd say, okay, opt out of it and just do like a, a four year 60 
or something like that, where it's 15, you know, it's it's cap friendly and non-guaranteed in the fourth year. Because again, I wonder like if, if he's not doing that, bro. True. He's not doing that. But what do you I get the method to your madness? Yeah. Like it helps his brand and his image. But if he's making twenty seven point six of the player option, he's not taking sixty over four with a non guarantee. There's no no chance. No doubt. Uh, just just from a pride just from a pride point of view. If, but I get I get your reasoning though. I get your reasoning. Okay, so if you're the Sacramento Kings boats, right? Or you're even somebody worse than that. Um say Sacramento because they're really bad and they there's no way they're gonna get the French kid. But unless they get really lucky in the lottery, but like say you get twenty nine million dollars in 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 salary cap relief, like you got twenty nine under, just say you know, just a hypothetical. Do you sign Draymond Green for twenty five million? I mean, is there any team that isn't like if he isn't the last guy that puts you over the top for a championship team? Like a couple of teams could be if they want to sign him. If you're not that team. And you're a bad team. Do you sign Draymond Green for twenty five million dollars? Not if I'm a bad team. No, I think that's a very valid point. I think he's a very, very important piece that can put you over the top on a championship team. When we look at that, I mean, one team I'd look at. I mean, Portland's not a championship team, but he could fit there. I think Denver. I think he could fit in Denver um, because you got you got a five that can shoot the three ball. I don't, I don't think he can. He can yeah, and pass and, and and play multiple positions. Even though he's a five, he can handle the ball. He can play point center. Um, we're talking about Jokic, obviously. You can put Draymond next to him as, as an elite defender, passer, facilitator. That's kind of what Denver need. They're, they're, they're pretty poor defensively. Um, he would severely help them and, and maybe put them over the top. So there's a, there is a few teams, but as you, I agree with you, the bottom end teams, your Detroit, like the, the, the leaks about Detroit paying him, like it, it doesn't make sense because they're not they're not in the hunt for you know, a conference finals finals. Maybe they get Draymond and then a couple other players and maybe they start hunting a, a playing slash late playoff spot. But Draymond's not going to want to do that. He's not going to want to go to a team like that. He, he wants to win as well. So, and, and it doesn't make sense for Detroit to do. So I don't believe that rumor. I think that's some leverage coming from Clutch. Yeah, you're right. There's just probably less than, count on one hand, less than on one hand that could, you know, number one, absorb his salary um, and pay him and actually have him fit to make them better. Um, the young young players, especially now, unfortunately, with this punch, there's probably teams out there that maybe are a bit younger that need a veteran like Draymond Green would probably think twice now. That's just the reality of it. It's a, it's a harsh truth. Do we want do we want a guy that just punched one of the young stars in the face to come into our organization? Let's say making this up, OKC, even Detroit, with a bunch of young assets, Um who can say that that's probably the the knock on him now his teams might be a little bit more worried that we're potentially looking at maybe bringing a guy like Draymond Green in so yeah there's not a lot out there for him the Lakers rumors playing with LeBron I mean I'd like to see that I don't think it's going to happen because Draymond's skill set to me is you know playing with Steph and Clay handoffs he's very good reading out of that handoff split action he's been in that same system he's that's where he excels he's he's allowed to roam defensively you know you go to the Lakers you're going you're to tell LeBron to go and split games and run his ass off off splits and back cuts and all that kind of stuff? Please, he's not going to do that. Like LeBron's just going to be like, give me, give me the ball in the pick and roll. I come off pick and roll, you roll, get the fuck out of my way, and I'm going to get us a bucket or we're going to throw it down to Anthony Davis. So sometimes it's a case of be careful what you wish for, you know, and I think Draymond's skill set is most valuable like tenfold anywhere else with um, the Golden State Warriors. The only other team I'd say he'd be as valuable was the old Portland um Trailblazers when they had a similar kind of Splash Brothers in in Dame and CJ, like two scoring guards where he would really help facilitate that and you could run a similar offense. That's probably it, right? Yeah, and the Lakers, Bogues, like 
Everyone wants to say, well, Draymond's going to go to the Lakers now, no doubt about it. If I'm Golden State, you literally give away your chances, in my opinion, to be a realistic NBA champion if you trade Draymond, especially to the Lakers where you're going to get Westbrook and two picks back. So if I'm Golden State, there's no way I'm trading one of the Lakers because they've got nothing that I want that's going to make it worth it. You know, they're not giving you Anthony Davis. The only thing they're going to give you is Westbrook and those two picks. So, yeah, and I agree with you. Like, there's just not many teams that's going to go there. And, you know, it's just – it's interesting, man. It's uh, – now with now with Golden State with their tax bill too, like teams – you know, people who listen to the show got to understand too, it's not like they just acquire these players in free agency to get this tax bill. There are only a few teams that can – like in the history of the league – you know, even in the last 10 years that could, that could even get up to this point because besides the Miami Heat that acquired their players through trade when they won, won the championship with LeBron and Chris Bosh to put Wade, like you have to draft them. Golden State drafted all these guys that they could keep like bird writing them and go over the cap to sign their own guys. So, you know, they, you know, they like you just can't acquire players like the Lakers with LeBron and all those guys. They can't get up to that tax bill because once you sign a couple of free agents or bring somebody in the cap room on a trade, your cap's done. But you could keep going over to sign your own guys. So that's why their tax bill, you know, their tax bill is so high. And it just puts you in a interesting situation. But, you know, in, in Oklahoma City, when they had, when they drafted those three MVPs with Durant, Westbrook, you know, and uh, James Harden, you know, they could have gone gone to that level, but ownership was against it. That's why they had to trade Harden out of town. But, like, it's really hard to do what Golden State did. But all those guys were acquired through, you know, through first round picks. You know, Draymond was in the second round. And they were just able to acquire, you know, just keep on re-signing their guys and adding some select pieces around the team. You know, and then you bring in Wiggins on a trade and you you, you sort of, you know, crafty with your cap and, and, and acquiring players. But yeah, they're in a they're in a weird situation with this Draymond thing. I'll tell you what, folks, I wouldn't be surprised uh if not maybe not four years sixty, but if he signs a a, a bigger, like a long deal, three or four years, I would say non guaranteed on the fourth. You know, Chris like Chris Paul's deal, like non guaranteed on his last year with Phoenix. But I would say that they will take a. Di- I predict he will take a discount at some point, mm. not a huge discount, but not to the. I don't think he will make as much, if not more, in his next deal than he will. Yeah, you know, what he's making now, in my opinion, for what is our team, what is player options worth, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm- I agree with your method to the madness. I just don't agree that Draymond takes out. I think he'll be very, very kind of, he'll feel disrespected and slighted at, a, at an offer like that. And it would take him, you're saying that he goes to organizations and says, I'll do you a sweetheart deal. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, I, I think it makes sense. It, on, on face value, it totally makes sense. It helps repair things, gives him some good PR. So that all makes sense, but that, that'll yet to be seen. But anyway, the Golden State Warriors, they're making a lot of money there anyway, um, but they are spending a lot as well. So interesting times. And just broke now, Brandon Clark with the Memphis Grizzlies, four years, 52 million pro. You like that deal? Yeah, solid. Look, they're they're doing it right in Memphis. They've got, you know, they got good role players, you know, around John Morant, you know, and that's what they're trying to do. They've got, you know, they got a good roster. They've got solid players. And I think that, 
you know, Brandon Clark fits into them. In my opinion, he's a good guy coming off the bench. You know, gives him 10 and 5. You know, $13 million a year is about where you want to be. You know, Steven, Steven Adams signing for 10. He's signing for 13. You know, you know, Desmond Bain's going to, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he got his deal yet, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, he's going to be a high-level money guy. You know, Dylan Brooks, it'll be interesting what they do with him. But they're doing the right thing. They've got a, a franchise player, and they're putting all these good, solid role players around them. You know, and then Jaron Jackson trying to be, you know, sort of an elevated role player. So I sort of like it. It's yeah. tap-friendly. 13 a year. Yeah, 13 a year for a center is about right um, for, for a decent role-playing center. So I think they got that one right. Um, but they should hopefully take a, a step forward this season. Delhi makes the cut. Matthew Delavidova makes the cut of a Sacramento Kings pro. Now, I'm a conspiracy theorist by nature, but uh, this is not from anybody, but I think there was somewhat a handshake agreement um, from Mike Brown before camp. That's my, my, my tip on it. This isn't coming from anyone. This is just my hunch. For those that don't know, Mike Brown was a coach that gave Delhi his first shot in Cleveland. Loved the way he picked up full court. You know, he basically famously came to that training camp um, as like the 25th guy on the roster um, and ended up making the cut and became a got a guaranteed spot just by working working as hard as he could with with Kyrie and then obviously LeBron came later and all that kind of stuff. So. And Mike Brown's comment solidified my thoughts around that because he said something along the lines of the thing with Delhi is I know all throughout the season he's going to be playing as hard as he can in our in our three on threes and our four on fours and our practice and our and our drills and if you're not going hard you're going to look stu- he's going to make you look stupid and that's exactly right Delhi's going to bring it every night so for Delhi to leave you know two more years at Melbourne United at big big money um, just in the rearview mirror and go to Sacramento, I think there was some a little little tap like, hey, man, like you, you got to be good. Just just come to camp. We'll take care of you. So, But that's great. I think it's great for Delhi. I think he can, you know, I think Sacramento needs someone like that. They need, they need you know, he's not going to play a lot of minutes for him, but they just need some professionalism down there. A guy, they got Harrison now that's very, very professional and meticulous with the way he he handles himself as a pro. I think you get, you know, two or three of those guys in the locker room with some of those young guys, I think you can have a pretty good influence pro. So for people looking at this, it's not a big deal as far as uh, X's and O's and stats. Daly's not going to be putting up numbers, but I think it's more that locker room of like, hey, Mike Brown's got that that insurance policy now that De'Aaron Fox, you want to mess around? Cool. We'll just, we'll just put Daly in for a couple of minutes. Or, or you know, my young guys, you guys don't want to work as hard as, hard as you should be? Cool. You're going to lose your minutes out to a guy who's at least going to play hard for me. So... Um, congrats to Delhi on that one, bro. Yeah, I'll tell you what kind of handshake deal it was, considering what type of bo- you know, shape Delhi's body's in these days with his age and, and, and the miles he's got on it. The handshake deal is, hey, slide half your check every two weeks in this bus station terminal locker, you know, because I'm taking half your money to put you back on this roster. So that's the kind of handshake deal I'm signing with that guy in today's deal. <laughs> No, it's just a vet min deal. Yeah, it's just a vet min deal. No, it's not, dude, it's not it's much fine. For, like, well, you need guys like for that. Sacramento. Yeah, you need guys that you trust and tough. And, Especially Sacramento. Yeah. Sacramento are a fucking basket case. They need they need any veteran help. That's a steady head in that locker room they can get, man. Now, I, would, I would argue they need five of them um, because they've been bad for so long, and they just continue to have young guys that use that place as a revolving door and then go sign somewhere else. You know, no doubt about it. I agree. It's like like you said, not a huge story or anything. But it's great that, you know, he's back in the league. He's the type of guy that you want in your team. You know, he pushes everybody. He's a great vet. There aren't many of those guys left in the league. They're, they're going by the wayside these days and with leadership, real true leadership and toughness. So it's good, you know, it's good to have him. It's good, good to have him. Especially when you consider Dwight Howard's comments the last couple of days. Did you see those? No, what's he saying? 
well, just to your point about those veterans, uh, there's not many left. Is like you are a veteran. Dwight Howard's a veteran. He's a role player. He can still be in the league for another two or three years with that athleticism and the way he plays. A backup center. He basically came out and said, "Oh no, I can't sign with anyone because they won't let me be me and let me play the way I want to play." And it's like, dude, you're you're in your what mid thirties now. You, you still can be a valuable piece on a on a you know like a Philly or someone you know a backup big role. Um, but to, I just thought of that because to your point of, of, of there's not many guys that, you know, once you get to year 10, 11, 12, and even if you were a superstar, like you're going you're gonna to start being molded into a vet and you can get yourself another six or seven years just by being a good guy, a good veteran. But Dwight Howard, I thought he turned that corner. It felt like he did with the Lakers and Philly the last couple of runs where he kind of understood, you know, come in, hit people, set screens, but... I saw those comments and I was like, "You just, you just shadow over your own free agency, bro." Like, I don't think anyone's. Is people going to GM's going to read that and be like, "Ah, eh, not worth the hassle for a for a guaranteed vet min contract, bro." You know, with guys like Dwight Howard, you saw that with Allen Iverson. Um, you saw it with select other players around the league. Like GMs, coaches, and owners take your shit. Like when you could really help the team, even if like you don't, they want to, they don't want to be around you, but you bring talent and. You, you know, you obviously bring a certain amount of value where you, you know, you're relevant in the league they, and they keep you on rosters. The second that those guys start going down a little bit athletically or skill set wise, they don't want anything to do with you. That's why you see a lot of guys like that out of the league at 30, 31, 32 years old, because once you can't play at that high level anymore, look, Delhi can't help. Any team physically, in my opinion, you know, 27 teams probably can't help physically if he played 25 minutes a night. I just don't think he could. But the reason why you keep him is the stuff that we talked about, the leadership, the toughness, great teammate, professional. He brings that professional mindset every day. Most players, a lot of players don't bring that. Now, they'll help your team physically or talent-wise. But they, you just don't like being around them for the most part, you know. And a lot of players, not most, but there's a, a a good amount. But that's why, like, from a young age, if you turn learn how to be a professional, learn how to be coached, you know, do the you know do the PR stuff in the community, go to the hospitals and the schools, like, just be a good pro. They'll keep you to your thirty nine. Look at you know, look what's going on down in Miami. You know, like. Yeah, Adonis. Adonis is like 70 years old, but they love having him because locker room guy, stable vet, good with the young guys, good in the community. He's a, and they'll take care of him even like past his playing days to be in the front office and making two, three, four, five hundred thousand, you know, eight hundred thousand a year, you know, because they just like having you around. But the people who take that for granted and just blow off at the mouth, look, at 23, Dwight Howard could have said that. No one would have cared. Because he's Dwight Howard and he's a juggernaut. Now, not so much. And they don't want that around anymore. And they don't need you anyway. So, you know, you could keep saying that stuff. Ennis Cantor, same thing. Like when Ennis had a skill set and he was double-double and the the league was a little bigger, like they'll deal with him being a little goofy. But once your skill set starts going down a little bit and you run your mouth or, you know, you're hard to be around and you start doing some things – they just, you're radioactive. No one wants you around and no one cares if you're around anymore. That's why like being a professional at a young age, man, it's invaluable. And people just, they blow it off and it ends up hurting them in the long run. 
Yeah, it is. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting. And just a quick shout out, Dyson Daniels probably has some people turning their heads in New Orleans. I mean, uh, I think um, you know, have to find ways to, to give him minutes because he's an intangibles guy. He's a, he's a the old school Kirilenko. Remember the lines he used to have, like six, six, five, four, three. You know, six steals, five assists. You know, he's one of those guys, and I think he's doing a lot of little things there. And I, you know, I've heard from from some people there that he's he's, he's had a really good camp. Look, his he's shots a bit streaky, but he's young. Um, but they're not worried about that. They're loving the way he's guarding multiple positions, long, athletic, can push the ball, can get in the paint. So shout out to Dyson Daniel as well, another Australian doing doing good things in New Orleans. Let's get into our West Preview Pro, so we don't uh, to have too much time taken from your your prestigious draft um <laughs> let's do our i'll give you my top four and then we'll do the rest after that um and then we'll go we'll go into detail i just want to see what your top four is so i've gone a little against the grain of uh i just want to try to get one maybe i'll get one right in in six seven months and I look like a genius or it could be a complete flop but i'm going la clippers at one pro i'm going the dallas mavs at two golden state at three and phoenix at four who do you have in your top four i've got um i've got clippers Golden State. One? Is this in order? Yeah. Yep. Clippers one. Golden State two. uh, Dallas three. And uh, Denver – I'm sorry, Phoenix four. Yeah, so we're the same. Uh, We're the same. We just flip-flopped Dallas and Golden State. So, okay. And then beyond that, I'll read the rest out, read yours out, and then we'll get in depth a little bit on each of them. I've got Denver at five. I've got Memphis at six. Minnesota at seven. New Orleans at eight. The Lakers at nine. Number ten – Ten's a dice roll for me. I mean, you, there's a couple of teams that could fit into ten, but I got Portland at ten, eleven Houston, twelve OKC, thirteen Utah, fourteen Sac, and fifteen the Spurs. What do you got? All right, so at five I've got Denver, um, Memphis I've, I've got at six, New Orleans at seven, Minnesota at eight. I've got Portland at nine, Lakers ten, Houston at eleven, Sacramento twelve. Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and Utah. Pretty similar, a few few changes. So we didn't we didn't we didn't get on the phone and discuss these. So for people out there thinking how the hell they get these right, we just uh, we, we both winged it. But let's get into the Clippers. At one, I think they're a very very deep team. Um, they have a lot of guys who can play multi positions, multiple positions. They have a lot of guys that can score. Um, maybe could use another big man potentially, but they got a, they got a couple of bigs that are that are a few years in the league and a rookie. So who knows how that goes with the big spot? But um, they do like to go small. Ty Lue lauded as you know one of the best coaches in the NBA by many. I think there's no excuses this season, pro pending health, of course. I mean they need to stay healthy. That and and look, I'm going to use that asterisk of pending health for all of these predictions because <laughs> if there's massive injury, let's say Dallas loses Luca or. You know, uh, the, the Clippers lose Kawhi or Paul George, different story. But, I mean, they, they have multiple lineups that can they, they can do all kinds of things. I mean, their lineup, their starting lineup, I think, will be Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, um, Morris, and Zubat, I believe. Uh, they had Powell in there as well, but that was when Kawhi rested. So I like Powell off the bench as just a gunner. I think he can come off and just give him 20 balls off that bench. They got John Wall off the bench. They got Covington. They got Batoon. They got Terrence Mann and Kennard. They're all so someone's getting screwed here, pro. That's 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 an 11 man rotation already right there. Um, Kennard was 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 kind of good for them later on in the season. Mann's developing. Batoon probably going to probably lose a bit of minutes. I think just as an aging veteran. Um, then Covington, Powell, and Wall. But I, I like I like their their squad. They're very very deep. 
I think they they're, they're the one team in the West that can really sustain an injury to one of those big stars. I think I, I really do. Like I think you know if, if if God forbid George or Kawhi go down, I think they've got enough to at least be consistent and still be in the middle of the pack in the West um, and sustain a, a you know one of those stars missing 30, 40 games. So that's why I like this roster having them at number one. What are your thoughts? You know, folks. I, I totally agree. I think the most important thing you have in the NBA is you have to have you know, like your two stars, whoever those are. And obviously Leonard and George are that for them. But I think it's really important to have a second unit that could really come in and change the aspect of the game and change the flow of the game. Can score, could you know give you some different dynamics in their lineup. Um, like you said, I think they're – they, I think they need a true, another true center on their team coming off the bench, maybe a defensive guy or a role, you know, a lob threat, something that just could protect the paint. But I just think they have so many weapons. And let's not forget, let's, you know, I'm not really counting J- John Wall to give them much. You know, I'm not a big John Wall guy, and he's been off for a little bit. But having him in your second unit, you know, you know, you know, with with the Powells and the Mans and the Batums and the Covingtons really gives you a different dynamic. And, you know, I just think they're really good. They've got star power. They've got shooting. They've got toughness. They've got that Draymond-type guy in Marcus Morris, meaning that they're enforcer, tough guy, you know, you know, you know just pro- you know, protect their stars. If they could stay healthy, it's, um, you, know, you know, sky's the limit for this team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing them healthy. I mean, it's, it seems like we say the same thing every season about them, though. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing them healthy, and they just can't get healthy. So hopefully they can. But they're, they're a very, very deep team. And like you said, I, I like John Wall off the bench. If he's, you know, 75%, 60 70% of his former self, that's still a great bench player. Like with his speed and his burst up the court, that would it, – it's kind of very valuable because you're bringing him in, let's say, three minutes left in the first quarter, the game pace is kind of, you know – being consistent and then he comes in and just, you know, he's pushing the brake and getting up and down using his strengths in the open floor. So I like that. i got Dallas at two. Uh, I think, you know, that they would have been close to somewhere up there with a healthy Luca, right, um, last season. So I think with a healthy Luca all year, they're going to win more regular season games. There's another season there together for longer. Um, potential starting five is looking like Luca, Reggie Bullock, Dinwiddie, Finney Smith and JaVale McGee. Um, now they could insert Kleber at the four, potentially for Dinwiddie and bring Dinwiddie off the bench. I know that's what they did last season. I'd probably prefer that and have Dinwiddie come off the bench gunning. The problem is Hardaway Jr. is going to come off the bench gunning. Um, they've got Wood, Kleber, Hardaway Jr., Batons and Josh Green round out probably their rotation for the most part. Um, you probably can't have a Dinwiddie and a Hardaway Jr. off the bench because they're both similar kind of volume scorers, shooters. So I see why they've done that. But um, Kleber's going to be invaluable to them defensively at some point in the regular season. But that's why I, I just have them based on, I think I think they would have been had a much better record last season if Luca didn't come in um, kind of out of shape and got hurt early. So he looks like he's in phenomenal shape and I think they're going to come out of the come out of the gates bursting pro. Folks, you know, Luca has as much impact on winning, in my opinion, than almost any player in the league. Not any player in the league, but almost. And, you know, he can take any type of lineup and really put it to his advantage, especially – the shape that he's in now and where his body's at. I just think that he's going to take them to another level. You know, you've got guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and, you know, you, you put them with other players that could sort of stretch the floor and do some things. I, I really think that they're going to be 
really tough to beat. I mean, you put them with the Reggie Bullocks of the world and, you know, spread the floor. And then you've got Hardaways and Dinwiddies and Klebers defensively. They got a good role-playing group. And, you know, I just think that the, the sky's the limit for them. I think that if they could just continue the shooting, Luka could stay healthy and play at that pace of, you know, in that level. Now, they're going to miss Brunson for sure. They're going to miss some of that. And I think that that's, that's a legitimate concern, not having that steady second ball handling score. I don't really trust him, Witty. You know, he just really hasn't done that throughout his career. And, but they um, get a healthy. So that's, that's an issue. But I do. But they get a healthy, they get a healthy Hardaway Jr. back, don't forget, to kind of, you know, he's, he, can, he can score. So I think with that Brunson, not as much of a ball, a ball handler creator as Brunson, but I think having Hardaway Jr. might kind of help out a little bit. I, I do. I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. I think that, you know, those guys could definitely, you know, really, you know, take the load that Brunson really showed last year as far as, you know, what he brought, you know, ball handle-wise, scoring-wise, toughness-wise. Um, but, again, I trust Brunson. Hardaway I do trust. Dinwiddie I really don't as much, but they got a good group. They got a really talented group that um, that play together. They play hard. They guard people. Uh, you know, JaVel McGee, I'm a big fan of. I'm not a big fan of Christian Wood, even though he brings up a lot of talent. Um, I do think that, that he could be an issue, you know, with just being consistent every night. But look, they've got a good nucleus of players and they've got one of the best players in the league that really impacts winning with the ability to make big shots, score, and also find people. And he's the best passer in the game. Well, him and Jokic, I guess you could make a, an argument for for one or two, but that's sort of where I see it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm looking forward to seeing them this season. Golden State, I've got at three. The only reason I have them lower than some people do, I mean, the bookies have them as a favorites, equal favorites, is I just don't think they value their seed too much, um, as much as other teams do. I think they they don't, they kind of, they get through the regular season to get through it. Their main goal in a regular season is just to be healthy once the playoffs start. So, so you know, April comes, they want to make sure their guys are are surging towards 100% health, um, whether they've been hurt. If they're, if they're limping mid-season, Kerr's got no problem with just saying, you're taking a week off, we're resting you tonight, resting you tonight. I don't care if your, your name's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or if you're a bench player, we're going to give you some rest. So that's why I just don't think they value the regular season games as much um, as probably the teams above them will. But they're, 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 they're going to be good, I think. They're obviously defending the championship. The Draymond Green thing's a spanner in the works. We'll see how that plays out. But they're... They've got like two different lineups. So their starting lineup is kind of the complete opposite of, of their bench. Their bench is obviously very young and athletic. Their, their starting lineup's more poised, not as athletic, but more poised and more kind of know how to play the game basketball, like kind of X's and O's wise. Whereas I think that that second group has a little bit of the X's and O's, but like more athletic, let them off the leash, let them just go, right? Um, so as a now, Steph, Clay, I still think Wiggins starts at the three. I still think they're bringing Poole off the bench, in my opinion, just because I think Wiggins brings a lot defensively. Um, Curtis made some comments that you know he, he would like to see Poole get much better defensively so he can play more than 25 minutes a night, um, which was interesting after you just pay the guy 140-odd million. But, um, and then Looney at the five with Draymond at the four. Wiseman's going to be an interesting one. Um, I'm interested to see, hear your thoughts about where he fits in with this whole thing because they don't like playing you know, um, traditional five-man a lot. Jordan Paul's there, obviously Kaminga, Moody, DiVincenzo I think was a great pickup for him. They got Lamb there and uh, Jermichael Green who, who might even find some minutes to back up Draymond. So uh, I think they're a pretty deep roster as well. Um, just interested to hear what you think on Ari Wiseman and, and if Paul comes off the bench for you. Yeah, 
I'm I'm a big fan of getting, you know, having your second unit sort of have some scoring and some scoring punch. I'm a big fan of it just because, you know, pool can give you that, you know, it gives you scoring, gives you shooting. Um, I don't really care what I'm paying him. You know, if if he's getting starter minutes and he's, you know, closing some games, but getting that 26 to 30 minutes a night, even more, obviously, for $140 million, that's what you expect. But um, I'm not really worried about it. Look, you signed him. He, he, that, that stuff's done. So let's just go with it. And I'm a big fan of just sort of, again, playing your best players, at, you know, wherever you, you sort of feel fit, uh, see fit. Um, Wiseman, I think, could give him some minutes. And Kaminga could give him some minutes off the bench. Um, depending on how they're going to put the starting five, I would probably have it like Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, and Looney. And, you know, second unit of like some type of, you know, pool, um, you know, Kaminga, Wiseman, Jermichael Green, you know, sort of type guys, you know, throw Moses Moody in there once in a while. But look, this, they're going to figure out their lineup and their deal, you know, throughout the season. And they're going to go with the best, you know, their best type of lineup. And I think that, you know, they're going to be potent. They're going to, they're going to give you shooting, scoring veterans. They're, they've been there before. So it's going to be a, they're going to be, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for sure. So, I mean, I'm not a huge Wiseman guy, but, you know, I could see how they get, you know, he, he brings value to them for sure. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that all fits in. Um, obviously, something they haven't had for a while, like a big, long, athletic five man, um, but not. Just didn't never look comfortable in their split game stuff, having him at the top. So I was more pick and roll stuff with him or having him in the dunker. So we'll see how, how much better he's got this summer and in the off season. Um, Phoenix Suns in four for both of us, right? Um, yeah, look, I think that they'll win games in the regular season. Um, I'm just not sold on their team dynamic. I'll, I'll say it again. I've said it from the start of the season. When the going gets tough in a playoff series, I'm not sold on them. And that's why... I mean, they, they could potentially still – I almost had them at one because I'm like, I feel like they, they're, they're really good in the regular season. They just play free and loose. But it's when it when it knuckles down and gets tight, they just – they struggle. And that's kind of been the MO of Chris Paul-led teams. Um, he's, he's got his teams deep a couple of times, but just there's always there's always a series where things just capitulate and everything falls over. But Aiden, obviously, they matched his, his offer. He's, he's starting there in the center. They've got Booker Bridges, Chris Paul – um, is Cam Johnson going to start pro, you think? I mean, they they got a Kogi as well who could fill that Crowder role um, as, a, as a physical defender. Um, Sarish, don't forget, he's healthy as well. they got Shamit. I mean, who, who do you see starting filling in for Crowder? Cam Johnson probably? I would say Cam Johnson if you're going to just sort of try to play around with the dynamic in lineup, um, in, my, in my opinion. You know, so like I, I would have their starting lineup being Paul Booker, Bridges, Johnson, Aiden, you know, in some type of form with that. And then, you know, you come off with Payne, Shamit, Lee, Craig, and Sarich. You know, maybe Okoji could play in there too. Lee could give you offense. Okoji could give you defense. Um, mm. It'll be interesting. And Landale. Don't forget Landale. Landale will be in there for sure. I would play Landale definitely coming off the bench as my starting, my, my, you know, my second unit stretch four. If the fucker could ever call me back, I'll even put him higher. Than that. <laughs> but no, I like I, I, he shot. He shot the piss out of it. He shot the piss out of it the last couple of games in the, uh, the preseason too. Well, so we, hopefully that carries on. I think he's. I think he's been listening to the show and hearing the shit that we're giving him. I think we we sort of get you know light a fire under the guy. The guy should be giving us a little. You know, he should be giving us that uh, that deli money that he's given Mike Brown to keep him on the roster. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're, we're the same about Phoenix. I think they are where they are. Um, I don't see them winning a championship. I think that window is going to probably close in the next year or two. Um, they've put all their off-court stuff behind them. They'll still be competitive in the regular season, just don't see them winning it. Number five, I've got the Denver Nuggets. You had them in five as well, I believe. I think they're a very good basketball team, especially now that they're healthy. Um, Jamal Murray's back. Uh, they're probably going to start Jamal Murray, uh, KCP potentially, you think? He's probably at the, maybe at the two. Michael Porter Jr., um, Aaron Gordon and Jokic potentially. Um, I mean, is there another guard I'm missing here that would probably start Probably start instead of KCP? Yeah, I've, I pretty much got it right. I mean, their bench isn't too deep. DeAndre Jordan back up center. Um, Ish Smith, Jack White, Australian, he made the roster. Um, the, Bruce Brown, yeah, their, their bench isn't isn't great, and that's a concern. Jeff Green, obviously veteran. Bones Highlands a pretty good pretty good bucket getter off the bench for him actually. But yeah, I think they'll be competitive. They're a very good team. They're going to win games in Denver. The altitude is a bitch, especially if you go on there on a back to back. You know, after that, that, that half the time you play there, you're waiting for that first time out to hit because your lungs are just on fire. So they'll steal games in Denver. They'll be a very good team if healthy. But I've got them at five pro. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they're a good team, Bogues. I think when it comes down with them, obviously staying healthy, but having enough firepower to get you through the playoffs. You know, I, I think that you need scoring. You need people that could fill it up. It can't just be one person or, you know, it, it, it's got you got to have that second player that you can go to that sort of takes all the pressure off Jokic. Look, Murray was hurt last year. You know, obviously didn't play in the playoffs. And do they have enough offense? They have enough consistent perimeter shooting, you know, to really take them to the next level. Can they win, you know, more than one series? And I think that they that's what they run into year in and year out. Um, you know, KCP's just sort of erratic offensively. Porter's got to stay healthy. He's erratic shooting the ball, but he could score and he's talented. You know, and Aaron Gordon just sort of mentally has got to take that next step to really be that solid player. Um, their second unit, tough guys coming off the bench. You know, Ish Smith, Bones Highland, you know, Bruce Brown's tough. Jeff Green's been around. You know, DeAndre Jordan, if he could, you know, sit through the whole year, I mean, stay with it through the whole year, can give him some things. I just don't think they have enough scoring to go deep, deep into it. That's why I think Dallas is a better team. Um, and even Phoenix, even though Phoenix is going through some stuff, because those guys have scoring, they've got perimeter, consistent perimeter shooting. Um, that's what just Denver's missing. I love Mike Malone's, you know, I love him as a coach. I think he does a great job, gets the most out of him. It's just, can they produce enough offense when teams are doubling and throwing two, three defenders at Jokic and they got to spread the floor off double teams and they have enough guys that could step up and be consistent and sort of take them to that next level and that next step. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not sold on their bench. That's why I went at five. I still think they'll be competitive, but they're kind of middle of the pack in the in the in that top eight in the West. Memphis in six, fun, run and gun, shit talking team. They, they're going to be good. They're going to. I think they're going to be really good. Um, some games, and then some games are just going to be a rat, uh, just a young team. They're going to. I think they're a potential team that could beat the best team one night and then go down to Detroit the next night. Um, That's just kind of the feel I get for them. They should be a little bit better with that consistency this season. Um, You know, John Moran, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks would be their three-guard rotation, I I would assume. Jackson Jr. Um, Interesting if they start Stephen Adams at the five or they keep him off the bench like they did in the playoffs. I think he goes back to starting the five. Teams like to start big. They'll keep Jaron Jackson Jr. at the four. And then I think think Adams comes out of the game early, probably first time out-ish. They move Jackson Jackson Jr. to the five. 
Um, who else do we have here? We've got uh, Brandon Clark, obviously we spoke about. He'd be the guy coming off the bench, potentially playing some 4-5 for him. Um, Danny Green, he's there for him, veteran, good veteran presence. But their bench, you know, there's, a, there's a few young guys that are fighting for minutes, so I'm interested to see who establishes themselves in the rotation. Xavier Tillman, Zaire Williams, um, Kenny Lofton Jr. You know, there's, there's there's a couple of guys there, but Tyus Jones. So I'm not sure what their bench will look like. It's not not fantastic. Uh, it probably goes to seven, eight deep, I think, um, as far as names I know. But there'll be, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a few gems that we didn't really know much about that'll come out and earn some minutes in the rotation. But they'll be fun to watch. They're a fun team, with grit and grind. But I think they're they're about right where they are um, in in the uh, in the West. Yeah, Bogues, they're they're an interesting team. You know, Morant, you know, missed a lot of time, especially in the playoffs with injury, and but they still sort of they toughed it out. They they played guys hard. They're they're a tough out, especially at home. Um, they're a good team. They're tough guys. They've got shooting. They've got toughness. They've got rebounding. Um, they just got to stay healthy. You know, Morant's got to stay healthy. You know, he's got that Derrick Rose sort of syndrome where he just finishes everything hard off his legs and joints. So hopefully he could just stay healthy throughout the whole year. Jaron Jackson is another guy just signed a huge deal in the offseason. You know, he's got to stay healthy. And if those two guys can stay healthy and the rest of the role players don't sort of lose vision of who they are, you know, the Desmond Baines and the Dylan Brooks, you know, and Brandon Clark, you know, once you those guys start getting paid and they start getting a little bit of media, can they stay with what brought them there last year? And a lot of times, you know, as a role player, you start getting a little media and a little hype and people start talking to you. You start getting disillusioned to who you are as a player. And they can't lose their identity of, look, this is Jaws' team, you know, and, and everybody's just going to sort of play around that and play off of it, play in their role and just sort of next man up. And if they can do that, they're going to be really good. Are they good enough to beat a Dallas? Maybe. I mean, they've got enough sort of talent spread out throughout their team. Um, they don't sort of like a Dallas where they don't have star power outside of like their best player, but they've got all these other players, you know, the the Baines and the Brookses and the, and the Jacksons that could really step up and score 19 or 20 if you need them to. But they could also rebound, move the ball, defend, so they're a good team. I think they're going to be a solid team for sure. And someone that can win a series and maybe possibly get to a conference final, it's going to be tough because the West is so good. But they're they're, they're an entertaining team that I'm looking forward to watch this year. Yeah, I agree. They're one of the lowest, the kind of the lowest seeds that could potentially shock a three seed, uh, potentially, depending on who it is. Maybe maybe a Phoenix, Memphis series in the first round, they could definitely win that series. All right, seven, Minnesota, Rudy Gobert, they big, basically gave up the house for, for Rudy Gobert. I don't think it moves the needle that much for them um, as, as much as they'll improve, they will improve on last season. I think their defense will improve. My question is, a Cat-Gobert lineup, like... <laughs> Someone, I just don't think it's going to be sustainable long term. Um, it does kind of help Cat a little bit because he's not great defensively. I think he improved a little bit last season, but he still needs to get better. I don't know how, that, how long that lasts to play basically two seven footers or just under seven foot. So that'll be interesting in itself. Um, like I said, I think they'll be they'll be good defensively. They'll be better defensively than they were having an elite rim protector. But it's a matter of, I mean, I see Rudy being a 20, 25 minute guy on that team. I don't think he's playing the 40, 40, 40 high, you know, mid forties, low forties that he was playing in Utah. I think he's going to, he's going to be dragged a, a lot when they move cat. They, they love having cat at the five because it creates so much mismatches. So 
that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, Edwards, obviously a superstar, um, continues to get better. He's going to be, he's the guy that's going to take them as far as they go, in my opinion. They've got Kyle Anderson on that roster as well. Um, starting lineup will be, I assume it's going to be Gobert, Kyle Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, um, Anthony Edwards in the three. I mean, uh, they messed with it a little bit in preseason, but I mean, you could potentially throw Kyle Anderson in there. You could put, you know, um, who else do they have? Austin Rivers, maybe if you want a three-guard lineup. I don't see that. I think he's better off the bench. But yeah, then they got other young, other young stars, power forwards. You know, Jaden McDaniel's, um, Luca Garza's there as well out of Iowa. So there's a few young guys. There's Eric Pascal's there as well. Who would you have as that as that starting three spot pro um, next to D'Angelo and Edwards? I would probably have McDaniel's to be honest with you. I mean, I, I sort of like having Prince and Rivers off the bench. Anderson off the bench, in my opinion. Although you could you could maybe start Anderson, go a little bigger, and then have some passing, you know, because he's a high IQ guy that could sort of do different things. But that's Play a role. that's yeah. sort of my opinion, you know, how that sort mm-hmm. of goes. So we'll see. Yeah, where, where, did, where did you have them? You had them at seven as well? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, well, I, I have them at eight. Um, you had I, New Orleans, I had New Orleans right? At eight. Yeah, I had New Orleans ahead yeah. of them. Um, you know, it's an interesting deal. Bogues, to be honest with you, with, with this team, you know, because they have star power with Edwards and they got scoring with Towns and def- defense with Gorbert, but I just don't trust them, man. I, I don't. At the end of the day, I just don't trust these guys and to do enough. I, I Defensively, they're going to be a disaster, and I just don't think they're going to be able to rebound from that. I don't. Um, that's just sort of my opinion on things. I, I just don't think they're going to be able to do enough defensively. I think they're going to be a joke. Um, you know, even with Rudy. Well, yeah, but Rudy. But what? Who's who's Towns going to guard? You know, like he's going to be running around like a madman out there trying to guard a lot of these stretch fours. <laughs> like I know, you know what? Yeah. Sometimes, like it's funny. We talk about fake news all the time and all that stuff. We joke about that, but like. You, you go on the internet and it stinks, especially when you're in fantasy basketball and you're drafting before you watch guys play and they, you have these little clips you see on Twitter and Instagram and stuff and you're like, oh, I can't play this guy. Or oh, this guy's going to be a star. He put up 29 and 18 against the Mavericks. But uh, did you see that the Mavericks didn't play anybody last night? Like, So sometimes you have this false sense. Well, they had this, there's this clip. Of uh, I think um, Minnesota played Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and Towns was just chasing guys around, and they were just going. It was literally like you could have that circus music going in the background, like da 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 da. Like he was just like lost defensively. Look, he could really score. He could really rebound. He's solid. I mean, he's an all-star level talent. And you got Rudy to clean a lot of that stuff up. But I just think like it's interesting though. Rudy really couldn't close playoff games the last couple of years. And you empty the whole, you know, all your assets to get him. And look, I'm a big Rudy Gobert fan. He's, you know, he rebounds, he, he blocks shots, does all that stuff, and he's veteran presence. But it's interesting just going big like that, you know, how you got the perimeter. But, you know, I don't know. Edwards is a star in the making for sure. Russell gives you scoring, and he could, you know, he 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 sort of hunts those assists. And you just you know you get guys who could do some things for sure. I just I don't I don't think their moves real like you said they don't really move the needle. I just don't see them really being able to win a playoff series. I see them being able to maybe 
I don't know, maybe get out of the plan, possibly, you know, and, and get there. But I don't and celebrate like they want to chip. Yeah, no, they don't Beverly this year. So, um, but I just don't see like nothing really comes at me. Look, they got a, they got nice players. Don't get me wrong. They've got the Edwards and the Towns and Gorbear. Their, their bench is you know decent. You know, they got guys like Rivers and, you know, Prince could give you a little bit and Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed. Like, those are decent guys to watch, but I just, the West is good. And it's not like after the top heavy teams, it's not like, you know, it's not great, but I just don't see these guys really upsetting a higher seed team. I just don't see where it goes from there, you know? And, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, they 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 just they 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 are where they are. Um, maybe they surprise us, but I doubt it. But yeah, they are where they are. They kind of they, their moves didn't really move the needle either way, in my opinion. So they're, they're stuck in in that six, seven, eight, nine, ten area, I believe. Um, New Orleans Pelicans, you had them at seven, I had them at eight, so pretty much the same. Man, this team can cause some issues defensively. They they got they got a lot of long athletic like-for-like like guys when they go to switching lineups. Um, they potentially will start, I think, Devontae Graham will start at the one. Um, at the two, you've got CJ McCollum. Ingram will be at the three. Interested to see whether they go Zion. I think Zion starts at the four and Valanciunas at the five to start games, and then they'll end up moving Zion to the five. I think, you know, a la the Grizzlies, they'll start big and then probably drag Valanciunas pretty early. But Valanciunas is in a probably only playing 15 or 20 in my opinion. I think they'll go Zion at the five a lot. Larry Nash Jr. is there as a great backup. Um, veteran Garrett Temple. Uh, who else? Herbert Jones. Um, you know, Maybe he's improved his three-point shot. Maybe he sneaks into that starting lineup. Who knows? But he's, he's a huge, huge factor for them defensively. Like I said, Dyson Daniels, another guy. He's going to be a huge factor for him defensively. They've got a lot of guys that, you know, you put Ingram, uh, Daniels, and... and um, who did I just mention? Uh, the other long guy, Herbert Jones, on the floor together. That's that's three long spider type guys. Like they can just get all over you. Then you got Jose Alvarado, who's improved a lot. He's his offense has gotten much better this season. I think he's been much more. I think he had a thirty ball. It is preseason, but he had twenty eight or thirty in preseason. So he brings a lot of energy and passion. Picking up full court, they're going to be a tough team. Just just I think they can just have a lot of different lineups. They can jump games up. They can switch one through five. They can go small. They can go big. So I like their roster. They're a nice young team, um, building for the future. And I think they're. You know they could they could shock out of the planes in my opinion. I'd, you know you always have them beating you know Minnesota or someone like that in a playing game in a, in a one off. So I like where they're at. You know, Bogues. My question, you know, for the last year or so is how much Zion Williamson impacts winning. I know he packs the stat sheet for sure, a thousand percent. But my question is like, can he really? How much does he impact winning with everything that he does? Because the guy is an anomaly, what he does statistically for sure, you know, a thousand percent. But I just got to know, like, how does he, does he really move the needle for you with, you know, impacting winning or what he does? He's young, pro. He, he's young. Like, Look, what is this, year th- he, three or four? Um, and young guys generally go through that. It's a matter of the question is, can he, can he, can Willie Green, Coach Willie Green, get him to buy into that? That's the question. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree with you. It just like that to me would be the biggest thing. Like, look, he's going to put up his numbers. He's going to be a video game for sure. 
and like Ingram and McCollum, like they've got all these guys. Valanciunas plays this great role of a guy who can score and rebound. And then they've got this bench that, you know, Alvarado surprises you. Devontae Graham is solid. Larry Nance Jr. sort of, you know, cleans things up. So they've got guys for sure that they can help you. And but they've got a potent first, you know, first team for sure. They've got a lot of scoring options. But, you know, Zion's got a you know, look, he looks in phenomenal shape. I know a lot of the shit we give him, you know, for being out of shape and all that, but he does look like he's in really good shape. If he could, you know, knock down shots consistently, play on the perimeter a little bit, do you know, continue to do what he does, you know, in the paint, you know, rebounding and bullying people. You know, Valanciunas is going to do his thing. Ingram's going to be a scorer. It'll be interesting how Ingram sort of makes the change in his game. Now having McCollum there for a full season, Zion there, you know, does Brandon Ingram still put up his 22? Um, you know, maybe he doesn't have to. Maybe he could go to 18 or 19, be a little more efficient. You know, Zion's going to obviously be a bulk of the load with their, you know, with touches and things. So um, they're a fun team. Like, I think that they're going to be better than Minnesota, you know, at the end of the day. I think they're going to be a better team than Minnesota because, you know, I think you could do more things with their lineups and they're going to be a little bit more creative. And, you know, um, it, they're just a fun team to watch. You know, I hope Daniels could get some time here and there so you could just sort of see where, where he develops. And, um, yeah, that's sort of where I see him. So I think- yep, agreed. Lake, I've got the Lakers at nine pro. You've got them at 10. Pro, the bookies have the Lakers at fourth or fifth in the West. So I don't know if they know something we don't, but... <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because Guido, you know, Guido Procopio is is rep by Clutch Sports. That's why. They've got, they bought one of their, uh, they bought one of their <laughs> casinos in the, in the Netherlands. Maybe. I saw that. I saw all the bookies. Four, they haven't four, four slash five, which is very interesting. Look, you just never know. Um, we... <laughs> I have them low for this very reason. I, I'm just not sold on them. I think that they look one of the most dysfunctional looking teams in preseason. It is preseason, great, but they look dysfunctional. It's looking like Russ at the one, Beverly at the two, LeBron at the three, AD, and then I think Damian Jones at the five. But they said Westbrook's move, coming eight. off the bench. Okay, so so then they're starting. None. Who is it? Then none. I heard none in Beverly. It will be the backcourt. Okay, none in Beverly. I mean, it is what it is. It's a it's a, it's a mix of shit that just doesn't fit I mean even the Toscano Anderson signing I have no idea why I love this game in Golden State but why Why would that didn't make sense to me Lonnie Walker's brought some energy for him um, I think he'll be okay for some minutes Schroeder he's hurt at the moment but I think when he's back he'll be okay Austin Reeves is fun to watch they've got a couple of guys that are play Scotty Pippen Jr. is in the squad um, I don't think he'll play that much Wayne Gabriel's earned a few minutes here and there. Thomas Bryant, um, before the ACL, was playing really good basketball, so he might earn some minutes. But this roster just—it just there's no method to the madness of this roster. It's just all over the place. Everyone's saying AD is going to have an All NBA year and they're going to be back in the in the mix. I don't believe it. I have them lower, just like you do, for that very reason. I think it's going to be a shit show. I think the only thing they have going for him is LeBron's going for a scoring title, so he's not going to shut it down early. So that's why I give him a playing game because I think even if they're 9, 10, 11, he's going to continue to play to get that scoring title, which means they'll still be competitive and they'll, they'll fight for a, you know, a 9 or a 10 spot even if they're having a horror season. So I think they get in a play-in, but that's about as far as they go in my opinion, pro you. Well, I'll tell you what, I fucked my fantasy team up. I pressed, I pressed, I wanted LeBron in my second pick 
because I had the 12th pick and then the first pick of the second round and LeBron was on the board. So I took, you know, I took Booker with my first pick and I was going to take LeBron because I think LeBron is going to go all out to beat Kareem's record and just be, you know, 100%. You know, 100%. And I end up like pressing the draft button by accident and I got Trey Young. So I'm not a happy camper, but that's just me. All right. So the Lakers itself, folks, they're just not very good. They're just not good. Look, LeBron's going to go all world. I think he's going to be close to his 30 a game. You know, those stats he put up last year, I think he's going to do it again. Guys, one of the most reliable, you know, reliable health guys, you know, throughout his career, minus a couple years. So he's going to go for his. Then you got Davis, which I can't trust Davis to stay healthy. That's just me. I just can't trust him to stay healthy throughout the whole year. So you're putting your trust in Anthony Davis, you know, not performing. He's going to perform, but staying healthy. Then the rest of the lineup is what it is. You know, Beverly is what he is. Like he's, he'll give you that nine and three or nine and four. Kendrick Nunn's got to stay healthy. And what is he really going to give you as a full-time starter? You know, their bench is just okay. You know, Westbrook and the Lonnie Walkers of the world and Austin Reeves, they're just not good. They don't have, like they needed to address shooting and they didn't address shooting. That's the thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They go, that's what I mean. They go Toscano Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> just like, no disrespect to him. He fits in, in the right system, but like your one area of concern was shooting and you went out and saw a guy doesn't shoot. Oh, it's just like mind boggling. And then, you know, they give, they give Plinker an extension, which is crazy. I guess he got a chip in the last couple of years, but it's just a, it's a train wreck of a, uh, of a, of a roster in my opinion. I mean, folks, to me, like, you know, to me, I don't know, like, you just gotta, this isn't all that hard. You know, you, you have, you have your superstars, which you already have. And then you make moves to just sort of play off of those superstars. Like, you know, LeBron and Davis need the ball in their hands. So now what you need to surround them with is players that don't need the ball in their hands, shooters, you know, you know, shooters, guys that could defend off the bench and give you energy and, you know, just give you those high efficient, high energy guys that could shoot and guard. And they just don't have that. Like you got to go in and you got to trust that Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones is going to get you through the night in your second unit to really produce for you, which those guys really haven't been Product like you're you you are quote unquote championship level team, and you bring in those guys to really produce for you coming off the bench, and it all comes down to the Horton Tucker deal where they could have had you know a Gato Lowry or even a DeRozan in trade if they traded that guy, and they held on early to early 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 on yeah, yeah early I, on. I know it's you yeah. know that's two years ago and I get that but here's where we are. You've got a above average starting lineup with LeBron James, one of the all time greats that, that's still at a, like, you know, producing at a top 10 level in the NBA. You got Anthony Davis, who just can't stay healthy, but produces and does what he does. And then you got Westbrook, who look, everybody likes to bash Westbrook. I don't bash him where like he can't play anymore. He just can't play with this team. So now you've got that dynamic going. You've got a bench that really can't defend. They, that, that you don't have really consistent shooting, and you just don't have that. So I don't I don't understand the excitement for the Lakers. 
I'm not trying to be cute with this. I'm not trying to be backhanded. I'm trying to be honest. Like, you know, you don't have the shooting and you don't have the defense to really go high level. You know, the Toscano Anderson, like there's a reason why he was sort of on a championship team and no one really signed him and you got him literally for the vet minimum. You know, didn't play for the Mexican national team in the summer where he could have got a lot of good reps playing in those windows to get them better. Didn't play there. I just thought a big Toscano Anderson fan. He's an all right player. But again, he's not going to rise the needle. Like none of those players raised the needle. Like Lonnie Walker was a night, an okay player on a really bad team in San Antonio. Reeves really hasn't shown it yet because he hasn't been in the league long, long enough. And then Bryant and Jones really haven't shown it yet. So I just don't see Schroeder's an all right player, but you know, like he hasn't been a guy that people could depend on the last couple of year, year, year and a half or so. Bogues, I just don't see it. Like I could, you know, and they're a better team than Portland. Like their starting lineups are comparable, but I think that the Lakers second unit is better than Portland. But I just don't trust the Lakers. It ends up being a shit show. Usually, guys shutting it down, all this stuff, and I could see a lot of that happening this year if things aren't going to go the way they want them to go. I just don't see it, folks. I, I like I, I tried to think of any every type of scenario, like I was fucking you know, like I was you know I don't know like like I was some fucking mad scientist. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't find any scenario where they're going to be really good, where they're going to be even competing for a top five, six, seven seed. I think they're a nine, maybe a t- I think they're a 10, possibly a nine. And then if they make this Westbrook deal for Buddy Heald and Turner, to me, it's the dumbest move they can make. Because, okay, you trade those two unprotected picks in Westbrook to get back Buddy Heald, who's a solid player, gives you shooting. There's your starting guard. You know, they, they get a little bit more shooting. He's okay. He's a good player, but he's not bringing you off, you know, bringing it to the next level. And then you bring Turner in, which will probably come off the bench if I was, you know, if I'm a betting man. So now you gave up your future of two unprotected picks, four or five drafts from now, where you might be really bad. And that could be a top five, top seven pick. And you never know with all those high school kids that will be able to enter the draft. You could be good. So you're going to give that up to what? That maybe they can get you to the eighth seed. Those two guys aren't winning you a playoff series. So again, they'll do it because they want to win the press conference, get excited about, you know, Buddy Heald like you brought in the next fucking Elgin Baylor. But I just don't see it, folks. Agree. I think that'd be bad. Um, I think the LeBron Circus will will be pretty or the bandwagon will be pretty full just because of the scoring title. And I think it's a great accomplishment. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of hype around that. But as far as the team, don't see it. Number 10, my final spot. I mean, as I said, I think this can be a few teams. I think Houston have a chance at it. Um, maybe OKC. I'm not sure. But I think I put Portland in 10 on that last spot. Um, I think Dame's enough to get him there. I think he's, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about him right now. Not, not a lot of talk about Portland. So... I think if they stay healthy, that's a key for them, like most teams, but especially this team, they've had a lot of injuries in the past. Um, Dame Lillard, Anthony Simmons is coming to his own. I like what he's been doing. Um, Nurkic will probably most likely be the five man. They've got Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant at the, at the four. So they've got a decent starting lineup that'll be competitive. Obviously, they poached Gary Payton, the second from the Golden State Warriors. Um, and then they've got a bunch of young guys that are developing. So they've got a bunch of guys off the bench that might surprise some people, as we don't know, we don't know too much about. But all in all, they'll be okay. They'll be competitive. Um, Dame has a few of those 30, 40-point nights. They could win some games, but they're, they're right about where they should be 
in 10th spot, bro. Yeah, Bogues, like, look, they've got a, like, like we've talked about before, they've got a decent team. They got a good starting lineup. I think they did upgrade for sure. I th- thought they upgraded um, their team in the offseason. You know, Jeremy Grant, they re signed Simons. Um, you know, you got Nurkic coming back. Um, you know, they're, they're a good team. Where they lose it is their, their bench. You know, Gary Payton Jr., which I just drafted by accident on fantasy again because I'm a fucking moron. But you got Gary Payton Jr., you got, you know, Josh Hart, who's a decent player. You know, um, you got Watford and Drew Eubanks. I just don't think those guys are good enough to really take you to another level. So the question is, where are you, you know, if you're the Portland Trailblazers? Because you're not competing for anything, really. You're not going to win a playoff series. I think you're champ. You're going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. Where if you win a you win the play in, you're going to treat it like the championship. I don't think you could really beat anybody. You signed Dame Lillard to this huge deal, you know. Where I think that you got to take a look at things. Where you know before signing him to that extension, really had that discussion to him. Look, we love you, but we're not. Go- we obviously teams aren't going to be honest with the players, but. You got to be honest and say, look, even with Jeremy Grant, we're not really going to go far. So, where do you want to do with this thing? And look, if you got five draft picks for Rudy Gobert, you should be you should be able to get a little bit more for Dame Lillard, you know, in your package. So, to me, it's like, you know, what are you doing? You got Dame Lillard, and you got a bunch of these other guys that really, I just don't think need move the needle. You're not going to, you know, I mean, I guess they could. They they put all this you know time and effort in the summer trying to upgrade their team, so they're not going to like try to tank for the French kid. But maybe they do. Who knows? You know, I. But I just don't see them going anywhere. And they're not with Dame Lillard and Simons and Grant. And you're good enough to like. You're not good enough to be. You're not bad enough to be like in that top three. You're top in no man's range. land. Yeah. You're in nowhere. <laughs> you're in purgatory. Yeah, you're in you, purgatory. And you're spending all this money, like you know, yeah. you don't spend Golden State money, but you spend money, like yeah. I don't know. I don't know where you're going. And maybe somebody, one of these guys they drafted or whatever, is any good. I don't know, but I just don't know where they're going right now. And it's a problem because now, you know, none of as we saw in the Dwight Howard thing, none of these careers end well. Like at the end, they never end well. The Dame Lillard thing where like he's always been about Portland. I think he always will be, at least in the media's eyes and, you know, in the public. But at what point does he start getting a little bit like, what am I doing here? I'm spinning my wheels. Like we're not going to win. I'm getting up there in age. I want to win. I want to be there for my city. But what are we doing? So I think that some of that stuff's going to come into to effect as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're they're just yeah, they're, they're in like you said. Then they're not close to getting the, the top two, three, four peak unless they get super lucky, like a one million chance. And they're not close to a a decent playoff run. So they're they're in purgatory. They're in that no man's land that you never want to be as a pro team. And and they're spending money. New rule on the pod, pro. I've decided. I just made it up. If you're not in our top ten, we're not giving you an in depth. So <laughs> you need to you need to earn that right. Uh, I'm just going to quickly going to go through my 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 with a one-liner, and then you can reciprocate. I've got Houston in 11. I think they'll be fun to watch. Up-tempo. 
I think they could beat the best one night and then lose to the next, lose to the worst the next. So that kind of team, young and young and dumb. OKC number twelve development phase still. I'm hearing SGA will want out soon. That's kind of the rumor, the word on the street. They might push him out, and I think they they want to keep the ball in Giddy's hands because he loves having the ball in his hands. Utah at thirteen. I mean, full rebuild, but a lot of young guys that'll play hard. So I don't have them at the bottom. Sacramento at fourteen. I, I probably could have them a little bit higher. I know you do. But I have a vote of no confidence, bro. I mean, they just—they need to show me something. I'm not not sold on them. They've got a new coach. They'll have a bit of life. They probably will finish higher. I'm being a bit hard on them, but they need to. I've got no confidence in, the, in in everything they're doing. So they need to. They need to give me something to to um, have them a little bit higher. And then the Spurs—they're they're just in the old. They're on the Victor. Welcome to San Antonio. Um, they're in ultimate tank mode. This is going to be. This is going to be a tough one. Um, for those that don't know, Chase Buford is the head coach of the Sydney Kings. And his mum was in town the last couple of days, So, um, who is obviously RC's wife. Uh, and I said, oh, it's going to be a long year for you. And she just gave me that look like, <laughs> I think so. So um, they're, going to be, they're going to be pretty bad, but I think that's strategic. They're trying to blow it up and, and get in that Victor sweepstakes and hopefully find their next Tim Duncan pro. Give me your rundown on those, on those five. So, folks, I got um, at 11, I got Houston. I think Houston's got the best young talent in the league. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just telling you, like, as far as their young talent and their young group, I think that, you know, they're, they're really good and they're going to start trying to win games. You know, everybody's in the Victor, you know, you know sweepstakes, but I think, like, these guys are trying to like show out. They're trying to show everybody they could play a little bit, you know, with the Porter and Green and you know, Jabari Smith and all that. So I I, I get them at eleven. Um, I got Sacramento at twelve. I don't really believe in what Sacramento's doing either. Um, I, I just don't think they have the talent. I love Harrison Barnes, you know, but I just don't see where where they're going. Look, they they got a high draft pick, you know. They've got you know they've got guys, but they're just not. You know, to me, they're, they're just the, the team that wouldn't shoot straight, right? And, you know, Keegan Murray's a good rookie that they got, and they got Sabonis and stuff. But, like, I just don't – I don't believe in them. I just don't think they're they're going to be very good this year. So I got them at – I got them at 12. Oklahoma City, they're they're completely in the tank. You know, they're really going to try to get Victor. Um, I don't think they're bad enough to get – like, even though they're going to probably get Alexander out, I, I do agree with that. They want to lose and they want to get Victor. Now, I was explain. I was actually having a conversation with an NBA um, front office guy right before we started the podcast. What happens if Oklahoma City does get the first pick and they get Chet Holmgren and Victor, you know, the kid Victor in the same lineup? What do you do? So you know, it's just an interesting. Can Victor? Did, uh, I haven't watched a lot of Victor's games. Can is he is he generally starting at the four or five, or can he guard perimeter? Can he move his feet out there? He can the, move his feet, folks, but he's still seven four. Four. You know, like yeah. that's the that's the issue with him. Like, and I and I also was talking to him before Bogues about this. This kid is they, they're talking about the best prospect in the draft ever in the NBA. And look, not every number one pick draft has a guy that everybody just has to have and it's going to be like a non like no thought about it guy's going to be an all-timer and you go back to the kareem drafts the yao ming drafts the duncan draft ewing lebron and Shaq. those are the guys that like 
even Jordan's draft, they, they didn't think Jordan was going to be what he was. So like, but this guy is the most hyped guy you'd ever want to see. He can move his feet. He could really shoot. Um, he's one of the more offensively gifted guys I've ever seen. And funny, you know, the funny thing is Chet Holmgren was one of the like biggest freaks I've ever seen offensively in a good way, like being over seven feet tall, being able to dribble the ball, shoot it and things. So yeah, just to be interesting if Oklahoma City got it and got those two giants in the same lineup. And then I think San Antonio is going to do everything they, that they can. Look, they're, they, I mean, they are brutal. Like, I remember, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where, um, Mel Brooks was trying to tank the producers, the show, where like, you know, trying to get Larry David as the star. They knew he wasn't going to be good. That's what basically in free agency and what they did to this team in the summer. You know, trying to just like I, I always I was thinking about it because I didn't see Victor yet. I've heard about him, but I didn't see him. And I'm like, San Antonio is really not doing much with this free agency. They tra- they they trade uh, they trade Murray away, you know, and they've got this starting team of like, oof, you know, Keldon Johnson and Podal and McDermott, Vassell and Jones. Like, wow, like. What are you doing? But then now you look at this kid last week or two weeks ago, and you're like, now I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get this kid. So I get them at 14 and then Utah at 15, you know, in the, in the you know, the Victor sweepstakes. So that's that's where I see things. It's about right. Yeah, it's about right. I mean, the bottom fives is what it is. Um those of you that are listening, let us know what you agree with, what you disagree with. I'll get some shit. We'll probably get some shit, both of us, for our Clippers pick um, because a lot of people are like, huh, how, how can you pick them? They haven't proved themselves, but they are healthy, so we can only go by that. Let us know what you think in the comments and the social media posts. would appreciate that. Real quick, Dabble is betting me social media. Dabble, you can follow your friends and mates, stalk the experts. I'm not an expert, but you can stalk me if you like. Uh, trending tipsters, you can scroll through. Trending bets and copy them all in one tap straight to your profile. So as I said, a hundred different times, if you do a 10-leg multi, you don't have to go and then enter each leg individually. You can just copy and paste it straight to your uh, to your device through the app. That's technology these days. But you can get alerts when your mates and tipsters place bets. And most importantly, you can follow me, Andrew Bogart, all one word on there. I'll get some bets going as the NBA season starts. I'm actually going down to do some stuff for Dabble over the next week and, and do some videos and some fun stuff. So look out for that. Download the app, Dabble, all one word, Dabble socially, and you must gamble responsibly. Pro, the NBL, what a round we had. Um, you can probably tune out a little bit now and, and really study on your uh, on your I'm virtual draft. Um, are, no, the draft's already done. <laughs> Who you got real quick? Who's your team? Oh, man. So I got uh, – go ahead. You go through and outside out, out the team right before we go. Uh, you can say that for the end, the, the little yeah. cookie for all the listeners. All right, so the NBL, great round. Uh, pro, every road team but one won to this round. So only one home team held home court, which was very interesting. So interesting. a lot of losses to the home teams. Adelaide was the only one that won versus Illawarra. Uh, Tasmania are back in form. Scott Roth has got those cigars out, those stogies. He's lighting them all up in Tasmania. Of course. Uh, while he's riding that bike. And uh, they, they huge weekend. They beat... They beat Adelaide at Adelaide. Um, they came off that great road trip in the NBA where they beat uh, 
well, they beat the Phoenix Suns and all that hype. They ended up losing their first game back, which is always a tra- trap game pro because you've got that long-ass fly coming back and then you're, you're playing to different rules and different fields than, than the NBA. Um, and they beat Melbourne United at Melbourne, which was very, very impressive. I think Melbourne United are going to be looking for an import. I think Jordan Caroline will be the first gone. He came off the bench last game and was second forward off the bench to Nawara. So I, I just don't see um, him solidifying his spot. I, I just think that he's, he's he's losing confidence by the day. I think uh, head coach Dean Vickerman is losing confidence in him also. Um, and it's, look, you, you never want to see imports have a short leash and, and get fired and all that because there's a lot that goes into it that maybe has a family and all that and, and it's harsh and whatnot. But I just think that the, the writing's on the wall for him and he uh, he's out of here. And sorry, I've made a mistake. That was Aquera, not, not Waba. Um, that's a bit of confusion for me. But yeah, Aquera's coming off the bench before him. So worrying signs there for Jordan Caroline. I think they replace him. Cairns, a bottom four pick for most, including myself. They've started off the year phenomenally. They, um, they're in the top four. Uh, they're... Aaron Ford, former head coach of the Sydney Kings, has them purring. Uh, they beat the Sydney Kings on their home floor in Sydney on Friday night. I was uh, watching that game and, and can just, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot and missed a boatload of free throws, but um, I think 15 free throws we missed. But Cairns deserved that win. I, I tweeted that. They, they deserved it. They hard fought, hard-nosed team. They're three and one at the moment and they're in third place. So credit to them. My question for them is the burnout. They play a short, a short rotation for the most part, seven, eight deep. Aaron Ford likes to have really short rotation, high minutes for most of his starters, and I know they practice very, very hard. So I'm interested to see how, what they're looking like in round eight, nine, ten. But right now they're looking fantastic. So credit to Aaron Ford and the Cairns Taipans Bullets, Brisbane Bullets, Aaron Baines, Tyler Johnson, Nathan Sobey, Owen Four start. Um, they lost to the Sydney Kings yesterday. I went to that game live and watched it in person. Kings got off to a rough start. We shot. Our first 10 field goal attempts, eight of them were threes and we didn't hit any of them. I think we hit one of them maybe and we're down by 10 or 15 and then we came back and ended up winning by I think 15 or 20 at the end. Um, Brisbane looking a little disjointed. Is it time for panic probe? I don't know because the reality of it is they've lost to the Sydney Kings twice who were the champs last season. They lost to Perth in Perth always a tough place to play and they lost to Tasmania who were the grand finalists so they're their four losses I don't think it's completely time to panic doesn't look great but for people out there that are Bullets fans or NBL fans um, you got to put it into context they've played four of the you know three of the better teams two of them being the champions two games being against the champions um you never want to be on four. I think they should have got the Tassie game. Tasmania, they were up, I think, by 15 at one point. They definitely should have got that, and it could have been one and three. But their, their schedule is going to start to ease up. Yesterday was also their first home game of the season. So um, if you're a Bullets fan, hold hold on to hope. You never know. The Kings um, at one point in the season, last season, were three and six, and they went on to win a championship. So you never know what can happen. New Zealand are better than I thought, Pro. I think they're going to be solid. they got Rupert, who's a, a highly touted, probably a first-round pick. I've had some scouts reach out about him. Didn't have the best game against Southeast Melbourne, but long athletic strides. Looks like he cares. Um, you know, little things you notice about him. He's engaged offensively, gets subbed out. He's on the bench talking. He's cheering for his teammates. You don't see that with a lot of young stars coming into into the NBL because a lot of them, unfortunately, think they're bigger than the NBL. It's just a one-year stop. So I liked what I saw as far as his, his teammateship and his camaraderie. I think they're going to be better than most people thought, better than I thought, um, especially with games in New Zealand. So looking forward to seeing them. 
Uh, one, two more things in the NBL. The Matt Logue has gotten a hold of um, some some somewhat confidential information that he shouldn't have got a hold of, but he got a, uh, a look at the salary breakdown um, from every team of last year. Now, this isn't public pro. It's not made public by the NBL or anybody, and it's it's confidential, but it is now public. He has, he has put it in an article online. Um, over the soft cap, Perth Wildcats, 400K over. Tasmania Jack Jumpers, 90K over. And Melbourne United were 50K over. Under the soft cap, Cairns uh, Taipans, they were 300K under. So they were they really didn't spend money last season. They generally don't. They're, they're a budget team for the most part. Brisbane came in second with 265 under the cap. Adelaide, 140. The Sydney Kings, 135 under the cap. Uh, the Phoenix were 130, New Zealand 125 under, and Illawarra were 80k under the cap. So um, this is taboo. It's not supposed to be spoken about. NBR doesn't like it, but it is public um, because it was probably leaked from someone who shouldn't be leaking it. Some people are insinuating that it was the Kings, but unfortunately for you, I, I penned a letter at the start of the season adding our own numbers. If people remember correctly, I did a letter to the fans just stating that you know we a lot of people thought we bought a championship, and I said that's not true. Where we're seventh in the league in salary cap spend, so um, we had no no need to leak any of this to the media, nor would we, because it's confidential in nature. So interesting to see if the NBL find out who it was. But that was um, look outside of that. I'm pro. I'm heavily pro uh, team salaries and player salaries being made public for a plethora of reasons. I think it's great talking point. It gets fans debating. It gets helps fans understand the the, the CBA and how different things hit the cap differently. There's a lot of rules in the NBL with Asia, Asian player exemptions, there's next stars, there's injury replacements. That all affects your cap. Your RGM, Chris Pongrass, Sydney Kings does a phenomenal job of knowing every little nuance of how we can, oh, the rule says we can do this and it's going to save us this, let's do it. Fantastic at it. But I think the fans um, would love to, to, to know more about this pro. I think having that debate and, oh, that player's not worth this much. Oh, we only played this this guy this much. He was a great value. Or, wow, that team, like the Perth Wildcats, they spent four, 400 over the cap last season, didn't even make the top four. So I think they're great conversations. Um, for some reason, the, the NBL doesn't want it released. Um, and the NBA, the, the NBL, NBL Players Association or the Australian Players Association don't want it released neither. But I think it's a good thing long-term. It'd be a first in Australian sport. Australian sporting leagues do not release player salaries. Stuff gets leaked from time to time, but not as a whole. So that was interesting that Matt Lowe got his hands on that um, when he shouldn't have, but that's, that's good journalism on his part. So that was interesting. One last thing I want to hit you with, and this goes back to your point, Pro, that you made, a, uh, I think, last year about you preferred watching EuroLeague over the NBA, right? And you got a, you got some shit from a few people. I noticed that online. Was, oh, come on, that's bullshit. Well, Luke Longley, Luke Longley is doing a speaking gig all around Australia, telling his story, kind of a uh, an in, in person with Luke Longley type feel. And he mentioned that he preferred to watch the NBL over the NBA. Now he is obviously part of the Sydney Kings as an advisor, but I would have to agree, and I'll put a caveat on it: regular season basketball. So regular season basketball, I, I enjoy the NBL more than the NBA. And it's because I know both teams are going to fight tooth and nail to get the win. There's one or two games a week. Guys aren't too tired. They're not off a plane. They're not out on the streets. And it's, you know, you can argue the referee is not as good. The playing level is not as good. Or this isn't as good. Or they're not as athletic. Totally get it. I'm talking as pure basketball. X's and O's, mono in mono, playing hard. I would prefer today to watch a regular season NBL game over an NBA. Now, now playoffs is a different story. I take the playoff NBA playoffs is a whole different. It jumps fifteen fold, and I just want to mention that because Luke Longley's on, on. He's on your train, pro. Yeah, 
I'm not on his fucking train. As we saw the last time he was on our show, he's on my train. All right, just so we know that. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I just think I, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of the NBL just because of the time differences. But, um, you know, the NBL NBL slash international basketball, yeah, international basketball, yeah. I mean, the Euro League itself, it's just like look, it's it's they play harder. They the fans are into it way more, and you know the ball movement and the skill they play through the post. And these coaches are going nuts. They're cussing out these players. They're not afraid of these fucking players. And it's it's pretty cool to see. It's old school basketball at its best. And, you know, like Luca and, and Giannis has even said it, it's harder to score 25 to 30 in an international game than it is in the NBA because they don't give you all the foul calls and, and you know, they don't have to take fouls and things. So, it's harder. It's re- it's just a hard nosed brand of basketball. Now, like you said, playoffs. It's not even close. Playoff NBA basketball. I love it. Um, during the season, it's really hard to find teams that are really into it. You know, players that are really into it on a long period of time. Um, to say, well, it's not- hard as a fan to yeah. me. It's hard as a fan. It's hard for me to get hyped up for game number forty five, even if it is between like. I don't know, like Dallas and Phoenix with their rivalry. It's just hard for me to get hyped up because there's going to be someone resting. There's going to be guys out in the streets. There's going to be guys limping into it, sleepwalking. Through. It's just like, eh, it's a regular season game, right? Um, now, towards the end of the season, when guys, teams are fighting for playoff spots, maybe a little bit different, but playoffs hold on a story. But yeah, the, the, I think it's the 82 games and we've had this conversation before. I don't care if it goes to 60 or 70. You still got to have the same issue. Um, it's just not as fun to watch and not as competitive, I don't, I don't believe, as, as opposed to a smaller league with 20, 30 games. No, I agree. I, I totally agree. It's just, you know, there's not enough guys. Are sh- you know, they're saving themselves for the playoffs. They're really, you know, especially the veterans, they don't really get into it, you know, till game 12, 15, 16. You know, like, you know, it's just, it's it's tough to really get into an NBA game and, you know, really gets, you know, really excited to watch, to be honest. And it, it's nothing against the NBA. It's just sort of where we're at and, it's just those international games, they go at each other's throats and it's pretty cool to watch and I enjoy it. And yeah, it's an interesting deal. Agree. Thank you, Luke Longley. Um, join the team with Pro, which you, you won't hear very often. All right, stats, useful or useless. Monte Morris Pro has played for 13 teams in 13 seasons. Um, pop, pop quiz, can you name him Pro? No, fuck no, I can't name him. Well, you thir- you got th- you got thirteen out of thirty. You got you got some chances, but anyway, I'll give them to you: Houston, Memphis, Golden State, Orlando, Milwaukee, Phoenix, OKC, Philly, New Orleans, Detroit, Washington, Charlotte, and Denver. Useful or useless? Yeah, pretty useless to be honest with you. Just it's just the life of a, a journeyman in the NBA. So, I mean, there there are players not to that extreme that play with a bunch of different teams, but it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool little side stat that the guy played for 13 teams but it's pretty useless to be honest with you. I think it's I think it's useful just to show what the grind takes. Um that's why I'd say it's useful because you know he's just going to find a way no matter what to just stick on a roster. <laughs> you know he's not going overseas. I'm going to I'm going to find a roster spot somewhere and he's found it 13 out of 13 seasons. Now he's going to have a lot of jerseys that he can hang up in his ballroom but I respect that. I think um a lot of people talk about stars and this and that but it's hard man like every every season he's probably living out of a suitcase if he has a young family and kids and a wife it, it can't be easy right so i'd assume they're based 
probably after his fifth trade, he's probably like, you know what? If I've got a family, I'm going to base them in one city and get them comfortable and they'll come visit every now and then just so kids are in school and all that. But 13 and 13 is hard. I couldn't do it. I mean, I struggled with – towards the end of my career, I was like three in two years and I struggled with it. I, I like I like, I like like my homely kind of surrounds and familiarity and being comfortable. And when you're a journeyman, it's, it's, it's the opposite lifestyle. So I think it's – Useful for that fact. All right, bro, the Warriors will be paying 275 million plus just in luxury tax in 2024, assuming Draymond opts in. That number is higher than the total player salaries of the Knicks and the Grizzlies combined this season. Useful or useless? Um, I say it's useful for sure. It's um it's a hell of a stat right there. It just it shows that how much money they're spending in comparison to what other people spend just on their salary, you know, their team salary alone. So no, for sure, I think it's uh, I think it's useful. Useful, jeez, Knicks and Grizzlies combined. It's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, that's 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 bonkers. But um, Joe Lake is spending it, and you know they've got the new arena and all that kind of stuff. So they've got they've got enough uh, income to to pay it all. So I don't feel bad for him at all. All right, most NBA starts since two thousand and nine. Pro Russell Westbrook, one thousand and four NBA starts. Hmm. LeBron James, nine hundred and seventy five. Useful or useless? Hmm. Yeah, useful, I guess. Guy's durable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those that I don't really give a fuck about either way, but uh, <laughs> I Same. guess it's useful, right? I think without the – yeah, without for me, without if, if the 2009 wasn't in there because they, they picked – you know, they picked this – You maybe you circle back and, you you know, um, was that maybe his rookie year? What, no, what, what was Russ's rookie year? Uh, I think oh, it's like, like oh – Earlier, 07? 07, maybe? 06, 07? So maybe 08, this is my point with some of these stats, maybe in 08 he missed 50 games, you know? That's <laughs> like, Well, let's pick 2009. But I think it's I think it's useful. To, it's a nothing stat, but I think it's useful to show that Westfield probably doesn't get enough credit for his longevity, right? Like he, the guy doesn't miss a game. He, and whether you like him or hate him, he's a bad shooter, you call him Russell Westbrook, whatever you want to do. He deserves some credit for being out there every night. So I will say useful for that for that fact too, Pro. What do you got for us this week? All right, Bogues. The LA Lakers will make the first round of the NBA playoffs, meaning they will be in the eight teams in the first round of the playoffs this season in the in, in the first round of the playoffs. So they without will- a plane? No, no, they will make they will make it out of the play-in, or they'll be the okay. eight seed. They will be in the first. All the six, all the six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Um, fake news. I just don't. I think they'll looking at a plane. They're gonna either they're probably gonna face Portland, um, or they'll probably get through that one. But they're not beating New Orleans, Minnesota, or Memphis. Um, or Memphis will be six by our, by our predictions. So Minnesota, New Orleans, I think both those teams will beat the Lakers. So fake news. You? I say it's fake news. I say they're not. I say they're going to be a playing team and they're not going to get out of it. And I will give you a fa- um, a useful, useless stat: Josh Giddy shooting fifty three percent from the three point line in preseason. Useful, Ooh, useless. Ooh, you gotta love a preseason. Useful. Yeah. You, you gotta. It is a preseason, but hey, he's out there. He's out there getting them up. So his shot looks much better. And it's just, I think. He hasn't tweaked too much, but just he's just confident now. He's just shooting it. He's like, you know what? Like, you don't you want to go under all my screens? Cool. I'm just going to shoot it. And you know, he's not going to shoot that in the regular season, and no way, not not even close. But if he's high thirties, man, that's a that's a that's at a volume of maybe four or five a game. Wow! Like he's 
he's he's in he's in another stratosphere of his growth. And Bogues, they hired Chip England. Don't forget from the San Antonio Spurs. You know the best. Uh, you know. Uh, the best shoot, probably the best shooting coach in the league from San Antonio to there, you know, taught Kawhi to shoot Tony Parker and some of these other guys. See, he's an actually, he's an actual workout guy that works with you. If you're the best guy and the 15th guy, he doesn't just work out NBA all-stars. And if you're an all-star to begin the season, he works with you. And then when he doesn't become an all-star, he stops working with you. Like certain Bay area teams that have assistant coaches that do that. Um, they actually chip England gets guys better. So he is really- Question good. for you, Pro, though. Does he get his hair cut during workouts? Uh, no, but his trainer does. So, I mean, uh, Josh Giddy's trainer does. So that is pretty I know, cool. I know. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Well, for it's the pretty people interesting. at home. Yeah, that doesn't know. But yeah, I thought that was- There's, a, there's, a, well, there's, a, few, there's a few trainers in the M- NBA off-season trainer guys that- um, there's one that one that got you know photographed of, of he's in a barber chair in the workout facility oh, getting his hair cut hey, while the guys are working out. That's unbelievable, <laughs> man! I mean, the guy's got like a million followers on Instagram for a reason. He's an entertainer, and uh, he is. Yeah, he is. They, but yeah. It's interesting though. I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. If I'm paying you all this money, they make big money. They pay big, you know, four, both, 30, 40, 50 grand. Both, these teams pay sometimes to send guys there. That's the thing. This is where, like, look, our world isn't round. It's not flat. It's upside down. Like NBA, like I'm telling you, the world's just like you look around and you're like, like I was, when I worked for Grover, there's no way. First of all, he like Grover would stab you in the throat if you ever like as a trainer got your hair cut while guys are working out, first of all. But like NBA players would never stand for it. Most of them, I could say like 90%. Now they like it. They think it's cool. Like, and hey, look, who am I to say, what NBA players should be thinking. So, but that's just they the NBA players love the circus as much as anybody else. So yeah, it's pretty a different fun. time. Yeah, it's a different time. So folks, the Next. last one. Um the, so the GM did this, the GMs of the league did the survey of who's gonna win MVP and all that. And I think we may have talked about it, we may not have on the show, but uh Luka Doncic was voted as the MVP you know, for the survey for NBA GMs. So I'm just going to give it to you. Luka Doncic will be the MVP of the, uh, this, the 2022-2023 NBA season. Well, the, the, the brain in me says to say fake news just based on odds because it's either him or the whole field. But I'm going to say fact. I think he will be. I think he's, like you said, he's influential to their wins and he's, he's fun to watch um, as H-Bob, Haralbos, Volgaris, who was on the pod about the 40-odd episodes ago, who was with the Mavs, always tells me he's a basketball Mozart. He's a guy that you go and watch and he just he leaves you in awe with what he does on the basketball court. And look, it's a tough field to compete against. He's got Giannis, he's got Jokic. Um, Kawhi's back now to AD. You know, people are talking about he's going to push for an MVP. I don't believe that hype, but... Um, I will say I will say fact on that. I, I, I'm on the Luca train for an MVP now. He needs to stay healthy though. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to play 60 plus to get it. And I think if he play if he if he stays healthy and plays 60 plus, they're going to win 50, 60 odd games, and he's going to get the MVP. I say fact as well, folks. I, I, for a couple of reasons, I think that like if he came in in his usual weight, I would say the the, the you know there is a chance for ankle injury or them to sit him a lot during the season. I think that they need him. First of all, he's in phenomenal shape. Second of all, they need him 
to real, uh, you know, especially without Brunson, they really need him to have a high usage rate and have the ball in his hands a lot this year. And I mean, I think, like I said, I think he impacts winning like no other um, in, in the league. And I think that they're going to need him. He puts up numbers. And it's funny that H. Bob called him the Mozart. I, I don't know if I told you this story. So early in the year, I called him the Matador because I like giving guys nicknames. Not because he played in Spain or anything, but just because, like, he, first of all, he controls the game like a Matador would in a bullfight. But also he plays to the crowd to win like no other. Like the guy just, that's just got him going. Even before he was any good, I didn't know how good he was going to be, but I called him the Matador. And I remember like Cuban was looking at me. We were in we were in Atlanta, or maybe Charlotte. I forgot in the preseason. He goes, "What are you calling him the Matador for?" I'm like, "Cube, the fucking guy's the Matador. Look at him." And he said, "Like, start liking it a little bit." Well, January, I forgot where we are. Maybe Utah. I wake up and I go on Hoops Hype, and Cuban uh, bought the um, the copyright or whatever it is, the rights to the Matador. And I'm like, I give up the what name the f- and the guy, <laughs> the guy got the trademark. The guy trademarked the Matador. And I'm like, you can look it up. I was like, get the fuck out of here. So I ended up. You didn't become him. a billionaire from, for no reason, bro. I ended up giving him shit. I'm like, can I at least get like one eighth 1% of like your t shirt sales? <laughs> and he ended up getting a shoe called the Matador. And no one, Vogues, I'm telling you, no one called this guy the matador me and uh dk the the sports psychologist like we'd always fuck around you know he called like neurons and well the straw because he was like shaped like a fucking straw like, <laughs> so we call him straw and uh if people would be looking at us because we and dk just like screwing with people and we started calling him the matador and nobody called him and like people didn't like the matador and then one of our tv guys ended up calling him luca magic when he made like an unbelievable game winner against Portland, and then like the any 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 like chance of him, uh, calling him the Matador was thrown out the window, so uh, we got Bullgarter. But I just thought it was hilarious. I think it was in like December or whatever. You can look up the article because it says that Cuban filed trademark, and he goes player development coach Mike Procopio developed the name the Matador for for him. I just thought it was fucking hilarious. Wow. But anyways, that's my story. All right, go. Give us your uh, fantasy teams. So we can give you shit. All right, hold on. Let me just go to it. So, yeah, oh, fantasy. Are you paying the luxury tax? That is a question. No, 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 no. It ain't like that. So, <laughs> no, I, no, no. I'm fucking around. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't go over. Yeah. So we do this. So I got, I got Trey Young. So my first pick was Devin Booker. So then I go Trey Young, Zach Levine, Tyler Hero, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jeremy Grant, Dorian Finney-Smith, R.J. Barrett. Jared Allen, Valanchunas, Zubach, Dylan Brooks, Norman Powell, uh, Gary Payton Jr., and Seth Curry. And I already cut Gary Payton Jr., and I picked up Baisley from um, – I need another power forward, so I had to cut Payton Jr. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's ever been drafted and cut on the same night in fantasy basketball history. But where I fucked this draft up was in two spots – I fucked up my second pick. Like I said, I think LeBron's going to put up dumb numbers this year. And I, I, and because I drafted 12 last, last in the, in the round, my picks always go last pick, first pick. So Trey Young was the next guy rated and I ended up like hitting draft twice. So I got 
you know, I got my first guy, Booker, which I wanted, and then I ended up getting Trey Young instead. And then um, I forgot the other pick, but I did the same thing. And I'm like, fuck, I drafted a guy by accident. I was like, oh, God, but missed out on LeBron James, but I got Trey Young, so I'm good with it. I think I'll be all right. Keep us updated, bro. We'll see how you go. Yeah. Against all the uh, all the experts. Why not? Is it, you got money in that or not? Is it money? Nah, no money. I just go. I, I just do like I've been doing this league for like nine years, and uh, I won in COVID year, and I was gonna lose during COVID. Like, like remember how they shut the game, and they would go regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I was it doesn't count. All my guys were hurt, <laughs> and then COVID came. So I was sort of hoping they shut the season down, and I ended up getting the championship. And the guy was so pissed because he was gonna definitely railroad me in the last twenty games of the year. But because they shut it down, I had a win. I ended up winning by like three points, and the guy was so bullshit. I, I there's no reason why I should have won that game. Good old fantasy basketball. All right, that wraps up episode, I believe this is 78. We're getting up there, Pro. So thanks everyone for joining us at Hoop Consultants for Pro, at Andrew Bogut for moi, and at Rogue Bogues on all your social media platforms. Give it a share. Let us know how we do with our picks, and we'll see you next week. All right, guys. See you. Let's get rogue.